Everybody, this is Angela Bowen, the host of Together We're Gonna Find Our Way, an unofficial Silver Spoons podcast. How's everyone's weekend been? Hey, Lund, what are you doing up here? You gonna chase Quinny under the bed? Oh my goodness. Uh, Lundy doesn't come up here very often, but when he does, it's to cause havoc. Because Quinn's up here, and Quinn, be careful. I don't want you jumping... Falling over the side, hitting the stairs, that kind of thing. Lundy, you go downstairs. You little booger. <laughs> Alright, yeah, crazy antics. Um, I hope everyone had a good weekend. Friday, I got to see the new How to Train Your Dragon movie, and it was very good. It was a nice bookend to the trilogy. I haven't caught the series on Netflix or anything, and I don't know if I'm going to. I kind of just, I like the movies. I mean, I hear, I've heard some good things about the television series, but, well, today, excuse me. Mm, I'm getting kind of sleepy. <laughs> uh, today, I'm going to be discussing from season two. It's episode four, entitled "The Hospital." Edward, Kate, and Ricky are all set for a picnic until Edward suffers from a sudden gallstone attack, which lands him in the hospital. When an infection sets in, Ricky and Kate become even more concerned. This episode has a seven point six out of ten based on a. 18 ratings on IMDb. This episode was directed by Jack Shea. And writer, uh, creator, David W. Duclan, Ron Levitt, Michael G. Moy, Martin Cohen, Howard Leeds, Ben Starr, and written by Jim Gugan, G-E-O-G-H-A-N. This episode originally aired on November 12th, 1983, so getting that much closer to my very first Thanksgiving on this earth. Because I was born... Wait a minute. (laughs) No, I was born in 1982 in August. No, this would have been my second Christmas, or Thanksgiving. (laughs) Grief. (laughs) You'd think I'd know my own uh, history here. But before I go into full discussing this episode, um, I just want to say I have been in a little bit of a book slump lately. It's been hard to really get into anything, and I don't know why that is. It seems to have been going on for about a week or more. Well, I decided to just maybe read stuff I've kind of read. Um, one book in particular is called The Trouble with Tuck. This is by Theodore Taylor, who also wrote um, The K, which I've not read that book, but that book came out in, like, uh, I think it was, like, the 70s. Um, The Trouble with Tuck, the first time I read this would have been, I was 12, I was in 6th grade. What in the world? Rabbit? I'm gonna... Um... 
Oh, you're over there. I don't know why. I'm sorry, guys. I'm getting distracted by my button button. Crazy bunny. Um, I was in sixth grade. Um, I don't know if you guys, did you guys ever do Battle of the Books? This would have been back in 1994. And I really liked the book Trouble with Tuck. And, um, I'm going to read the premise here. Okay. The classic inspiring story of a dog who triumphs against all odds by the best-selling author of the K. Helen adored her beautiful golden Labrador from the first moment he was placed in her arms, a squirming fat sausage of creamy yellow fur. As her best friend Friar Tuck, who she calls Tuck for short, waited daily for Helen to come home from school and play. He guarded her through the long, scary hours of the dark night. Twice he even saved her life. Now it's Helen's turn. No one can say exactly when Tuck began to go blind. Probably the light began to fail for him long before the alarming day when he raced after some cats and crashed through the screen door, apparently never seeing it. But from that day on, Tuck's trouble and how to cope with it becomes the focus of Helen's life. Together they fight the chain that holds him and threatens to break his spirit. Until Helen comes up with a solution so new, so daring, there's no way it can fail. Now reading this again as a 36-year-old, one thing I was surprised of is the page count. It's 128 pages. This is a short book. And I remember reading it um, for Battle of the Books. This was the book that my class was going to read. And the thing is, the goal was you have a certain set of books that's picked out for you to read. And then after you read the book, you go to the teacher who has assigned that book for themselves or their class, and then you go answer questions. When you're done with the questions, you get, um, like a paper ice, piece of ice cream that you put on a, you know, to eventually make a sundae. And this was the book that my class was going to read. And the thing is, I loved reading even back then. I mean, I loved reading even well before I was 12. But, um... Class was going too slow for me. It's like, I want to, I'm going to read this book on my own. I'm going to read the other books out there that are, and, and I did. Well, my class maybe had maybe two or three scoops of ice cream at the end because we had a big ice cream social thing. I had seven scoops of ice cream. I remember that most in my class. Um, but yeah, this book is really short. I did check on Audible. This book is available. It, the length of the the audiobook is only like two hours long. So it's really, it's not very long. Um, another thing I noticed this time reading it as an adult that I don't even think, I really don't even think it even came to mind when I was originally reading it is the time period of the book. This book was, uh, the copyright date is 1981. The book is actually set in the 1950s. And I'm, I'm just sitting there reading like, wow. Nowadays I pick up on that stuff more. But I think just, I loved books with animals in it. I still do. 
Um, this this book is I'm halfway through it now, and I'm just really enjoying it. The fact that I didn't even know. See, this was back before the internet, and I didn't even have internet when it was avail- available. Um, but apparently, the trouble with Tuck has a sequel to it. I did actually order a used copy off of Amazon. It's entitled uh, Tuck Triumphant. And I will list these on um, the Instagram Punky Power Silver Spoons podcast page and also the Punky Power Twitter and the Facebook page as well. Um... I don't want to spoil too much, but one of the things I'm like, this is, would you, this is considered a kid's book. Um, The girl in it is 13 years old, and one of the scenes in there, this girl is out in the park one day with her dog, like, it's like pre-morning, there's fog all over, she's in a park, there's not a lot of people around, which is unusual. And this man in a baseball cap, I kid you not, comes up, says, hi, little girl. And the thing is, this guy almost succeeded in kidnapping her and probably was going to rape and murder her. Luckily, her dog was nearby to sit. That is one of the instances where that dog saves her life. Um... But I'm like, wow, that is some weighty subject matter for a what was considered a kid's book or a children's book for uh, 1981. Because I had, it looks like it was reprinted in 2000. And I don't know if maybe that book might have been updated. Because I don't have that. I really, I like the original copy. Which I was able to find a copy of at Schuler's with the original cover. Because I'm like, I really don't like. Because this new cover that was printed in 2000 actually does give away what the synopsis actually keeps from you. So. But, hmm. Yeah, it's a good book, and I can't wait to read uh, the sequel. I think I'm just, with this slump, I'm kind of going back to my roots of just reading stuff I haven't read in, like, 20-plus years. It's like nothing I have currently or have gotten recently is just reaching out to me saying, read me, read me. It's like, no, go back to my roots. Go read something I haven't read in in 20-plus years. And it seems to be working for me. Um, another book that I picked up that I um, I probably got like last fall. It's called Once Was a Time by Layla Sales. When did this book come out? Uh, oh, this book actually came out in uh, early 2016. Okay, it's almost three years old. Um, in the war-ravaged England of 1940, Charlotte Bromley is sure of only one thing. Kitty McClough. Kitty McLaughlin is her best friend in the whole world. But when Charlotte's scientist father makes an astonishing discovery that the Germans will covet for themselves, Charlotte is faced with the impossible choice between danger and safety. Should she remain with her friend or journey to another time and place? Her split-second decision has huge consequences. And when she finds herself alone in the world, unsure of Kitty's fate, she knows that somehow, some way, she must find her way back to her friend. 
Written in the spirit of classic time travel tales, this book is an imaginative and heartfelt tribute to the unbreakable ties of friendship. And I started reading this book today also, and I'm I'm digging it. I like it. I like and enjoy tra- time travel books and time travel movies. Uh, one last thing, a little update on my dad. Um, Jeremy and I did go to visit him yesterday in the hospital. He's doing better. His spirits are up. He's actually, I'm believing he's going to be coming home home this week. Possibly, maybe tomorrow or Tuesday. They do have hospice set up to be coming to his house. They're going to bring in a hospital bed and everything like that too. So, um, it was a really good visit. Um, the a couple of nurses came and helped my dad do some physical therapy. So he was walking down the hospital hospital hall. And then around a corner and then back again and everything. And he was really, really slow. And which, of course, you kind of have to be. Um, But I just kind of, you know, I was talking to Jeremy and stuff and just kind of watching my dad come down the hall. And it's almost like I kind of purposely kept avoiding eye contact. But when I would look at my dad, I swear, guys, my dad is almost 66. He looks like he's aged like a good 10-15 years and that breaks my heart um but let me tell you about my dad guys his spirit is his spirit never diminishes it's just amazing with what he's gone through he still keeps an upbeat attitude. He still is looking to the future and just talking about what he wants to do with the time he has left. You know, if it's, you know, a couple years or, or what. But that is, he is such a strong man. And again, guys, thank you so much, everybody, for, for the prayers and the well wishes. Thank you. That means so much to me. One thing that was kind of funny, um, I want to mention is Deb was watching a um a basketball game on the TV in the hotel room and he was saying didn't you used to you know play basketball or something at first I thought he was talking to Jeremy I'm looking at Jeremy and I'm like uh no I'm like are you talking to Jeremy he's like well no I was talking to you I'm, and I'm like well what happened with that is I was 13 in 7th grade I thought oh I'll try out for basketball right um, I paid the five bucks for the physical. My grandma actually went out and bought me a basketball. And I go there and it doesn't end well. The girls there, I was way out of my league. And the girls there were really, really pushy. Like, I couldn't keep up. And they're and we're all standing around, you know, shooting hoops and everything. It's like, you got to get the ball to them like fast and everything and I I wasn't and these girls were just they weren't being nice about it and I just decided it's like I'm not coming back tomorrow I decided before that practice was this is the last time I'm gonna be here and my dad and I and Jeremy kind of had a laugh at that like yeah it's like I get enough of that in phys ed when we have to be put into playing sports and stuff. Why would I want to be on it? I didn't even, like, there's no way I was going to be on a basketball team. I wasn't good. Um, alright. So, before I officially get into the episode, guys, like I like to do, I like to thank you all, regular listeners, new listeners, for 
listening to the podcast, for liking the Facebook page. Been getting quite a few likes on on the Facebook page, which is awesome. And if you guys want to email me or message me on Facebook, you ha- there is a spot on there where you can send a message. And I would love to hear from you guys. You know, where you're listening from what your favorite episodes are, whether it's Punky Brewster or Silver Spoons. I'm just, or just to talk about any, you know, books or if you have a family member who's going through, you know, like what my dad's going through with cancer, guys, I would really like to be able to reach out to people that are going through this. That would really be great to be able to, I mean, it just seems like before my dad's diagnosis, I didn't, you know, people had cancer, you didn't think about it, but when someone you know has it, it's it's everywhere. And I think it takes on a bigger meaning then, and it seems to hit you more when it's somebody that you know. And especially if it's a parent. And, you know, guys, I, 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 and I knew, I put on Instagram, I said, this next episode with Edward in the hospital, I feel like this is going to kind of break me a smidge. I mean, this is like one of their serious, serious episodes. I mean... You know, the attack of the giant frog people that dealt with, you know, um, (coughs) a little bit of teasing and bullying. I don't know what causes a gallstone attack. Quinn, what are you doing? Uh, She's deciding whether to get down. From, oh, there he goes. He sees you. (laughs) You better stay up there. Quinny, he's a rabbit. He's not going to bite you. Uh, Alright guys, Uh, if you want to email me, the podcast is punkypowerpbpodcast at gmail.com or silverspoonspodcast at gmail.com. I will list those in the description in SoundCloud. You can also listen to the podcast on iTunes, on SoundCloud, and on Podbean under Punky Power, an unofficial Punky Brewster podcast. Alright guys, I've talked enough. Let's jump into this episode fully. So we come out of the intro and Ricky calls up the stairs like, Hey Dad, you ready? And Edward, you see, take a couple steps down the stairs and immediately his hand goes to his side as he kind of like groans a little bit. Like, ah. Like, yeah, right away we know something's not good. So, Edward just, like, shakes it off, comes down the rest of the way, and Ricky mentions how, hey, it's really windy outside today. Can you believe it? This is going to be a great day for flying kites. And Ricky's like, gosh, I hope I have enough kite string, as he holds a large ball of kite string that would look like a large ball of yarn for a cat to play. This... Ball of kite string is literally as big as a Labrador puppy. It looks like it weighs at least 15 pounds. If not, at least maybe 10 pounds. So Edward takes the ball of kite string out of Ricky's hands and kind of examines it. Like, yeah, you know, son, I think this will work. And doorbell rings. It's Kate. She's got a really pretty blue and gray and black 
pattern sweater. It's really, it's got some zigzaggy lines going down to the front of it. It's really cool. She's like, hey, are you guys ready for a great picnic? Because she's got this giant picnic basket that's got um, a blanket on it, of course. And, of course, Ricky has to make a picnic speech or a, you know, and, of course, Kate and Edward are just like, oh, great, now we got to stand here for a couple minutes and listen to your speech. Dad, you ready yet? I sure am, son. I looked outside. The wind's blowing like crazy. Yeah, I know. I just saw the mailman's toupee fly by. <laughs> I'm a little worried, Dad. Do you think I've got enough kite string? Yeah, I think so, son. <laughs> Morning! Morning! It's a fantabulous day. You guys in a picnic mood? Yeah! Yeah! Let's go! Dad, Kate, before we go, I'd like to make a little pre-picnic speech. Before I found you guys, I existed. But I never really lived. My life's going great. You guys are looking at one happy dude. <laughs> ah! Oh! Daddy, you okay? Yeah, just a little touch of indigestion. You sure? Yeah, it's nothing. What'd you bring for the picnic? Fresh croissants, pate, brie, camembert, and artichoke hearts. Hey, where's the food? <laughs> ah, ah, Edward. Dad. Oh. Ooh, let's get you over to the couch. Oh. Sounds like more than just indigestion to me. I'm going to call your doctor. Can't call my doctor. Katie's in the South Pacific. Island hopping? No, island shopping. <laughs> so Ricky gives a speech about how, you know, before I met you guys, I existed. But I never really lived. And life is going great. And I'm just thinking, usually these declarations of, uh, like, what this little speech here. Whenever someone gives a speech like that, either it means somebody's going to either kick the bucket or something bad is about to fall. It's like the, the rug is going to be pulled out from under you. <laughs> it makes me think of um, One Tree Hill. Spoiler alert for those that have not seen season three, then you can fast forward 30 seconds. Season three, Keith comes back and he and Karen are at Lucas's basketball game and he says if every day is like this I'm gonna die a happy man like oh god whenever anybody makes a speech it's like you know something bad is right around the corner that's gonna happen so yeah right after Ricky says you guys are looking at one happy dude Kate and Edward smile at him appreciatively. Immediately, Edward's hand, boom, back to his side. He's like, ah! And even Kate and Ricky are like, okay, something's 
Edward's trying to play it off like, oh, it's just a little bit of indigestion, no big deal. It's like, no, seriously. You're gripping your... That is not indigestion. I mean, you think, oh, let me pop some uh, Pepto-Bismol in my body and it'll be fine. No. I mean, anyone, anyone grabs their side like that, it's like, okay, you need to get them to the doctor stat. Get them to the emergency room stat. And Kate's like, oh, are you sure? And he's like, oh, no, it's just indigestion. Don't worry about it. She's like, okay. I'm like, Kate, no, 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 no. Do not take his word for it. So Ricky's like, all right, Kate, what'd you bring to eat? And the things that she lists. So she says fresh croissants, brie, pate, cabin bear. I don't know what that is. And artichoke hearts. And I'm thinking, um, Kate, you do know that there's a 12-year-old boy accompanying you on this picnic, right? Because it sounds like she made all this stuff for a picnic date for her and Edward. <laughs> and even Ricky's like, yeah, Kate, like I said, wh what food are you bringing? Because <laughs> that, all that food smells like romance. Like, oh, let me get my pate, my caviar on, my wine and my brie and my croissants. Like, that doesn't speak a nice little family picnic outing. No 12-year-old boy's going to be into pate. I've never had pate, and for that matter, I've never had caviar either. I don't know if I'd be up for that. I mean, if you've seen Full House, you certainly know at Jesse and Becky's wedding in season four that Michelle was not a fan of uh, pate either. Isn't that goose liver? And then caviar is the um, the fish eggs, which apparently Stephanie liked in um, season three. So after Ricky says, Kate, where's the food? And Kate, uh, or Ricky says, Kate, where's the food? She laughs. Immediately, Edward's hand is back on his side. And at the point where he is in so much pain, drops that ball of kite string. Boom. He, that pain has knocked him to his knees and almost to the ground. And Kate is like, okay, this is more serious than you're letting on. Let's get you over to the couch. She says, okay, I'm going to call your doctor. And apparently, Edward's doctor is shopping in someplace. The He's in the South Pacific. I don't know where that is. Um, it's somewhere. You know, I better just look it up so that way I don't sound like a dum-dum. It says located in the southern hemisphere, the South Sea Islands, which that doesn't really help me. So, <laughs> but there you go. If any of you wanted to know where South Pacific is, it's somewhere within that vicinity. Oh, he's island shopping because Kate's like, oh, is he island hopping? And Edward's like, no, he's island shopping. Shopping. Like, okay. And Edward, of course, is like, oh, I don't need a doctor anyway. As he goes to say, buddy, sit down. If I were Kate, I'd be like, honey, please sit down. You are going to fall. And he keeps saying that he's fine. It's like a quick pain and boom, it's gone. It's like, no, you need to go to the emergency. Forget the doctor. Go to the emergency room. That's an emergency. Can't people die from that? <laughs>
came from, it went back there. <laughs> I'm okay. Oh, Let's go. Ah! Oh, oh, I'm fine. No problem here. <laughs> Just taking a short nap on this kite. I think we should call for an ambulance. No, I'm fine. There's no need for an ambulance. Okay, call an ambulance. <laughs> so Edward keeps going like, oh, I'm fine, don't worry about it. He gets up and he falls sideways back onto the couch. And he takes Ricky's... Originally, well, when he gets up, he falls forward as he's going to hit the f- freaking coffee table. Ricky grabs the kite out from under him before Edward collapses on it. Puts it on the couch. And they go to put him... Edward back on the couch, and of course, he gets up and falls back onto the couch sideways, crushing Ricky's kite. And he's like, I'm fine, I'm fine. And Kate's like, no, I'm calling you an ambulance. He's like, I don't need an ambulance. And then he's like, no, maybe you should call that ambulance. Like, they should have called the ambulance, like, ASAP. I mean, he kept playing it off like, I'm fine. Guys, he's clearly not. So now we move to the hospital room, and Ricky's kind of pacing back and forth, and there's an empty bed there, so Edward's probably in surgery right now, and I bet anything that Ricky's got to be feeling immense guilt, right? Like, it's my fault, I caused this. So Ricky's pacing in the room. Who is this girl who's hanging, this blonde-haired girl? Who's in the door? Like, oh, Ricky, who is she? We've never met her before. He clearly knows her. I've never met her. Is this a girlfriend he's been dating? We've just never met this girl before. Will we meet her again? I'm looking at the uh, the the IMDb thing then for finding out who this little girl is. She looks like maybe we might know her from something. All right, well, I got her IMDb here. Georgie Irene. That really doesn't help me. Um, let's see. Oh, my gosh. She's in a few episodes. Hold on, hold on. Uh, what's this one thing? Um, do you guys remember, it ran from 84 to 86, the get-along game? She was Wilma Lamb slash Paulette Pig. Now, I know the lamb because she's the one that wore the yellow. Um, she plays Leslie slash Leslie Ann Cranbottom. This is the first time we've seen her. She's also in Menudo Madness. She's in A Summer Romance. Ricky's classmate Leslie has a crush on him. Visits him to ruin her play. She brings out brother, mother, Veronica. Okay, this episode is 18 of season 2. I'm sorry to jump ahead here, but this girl, this says, this girl, Leslie, has a crush on him. Well, clearly they know each other. She looks like she's in love with him just by standing in this doorway here. Um, and she's in Beauties and the Beasts. So. Is she, oh, oh, Tracy Wells from Mr. Belvedere plays in an episode. Oh, that's cool. Okay, who's that lady? I don't know. All right, all right, let's get back to this. Uh... Ricky! Leslie! Oh, my dear, sweet, anguished Ricky. <laughs> Leslie, what are you doing here? 
called your house and your butler told me what happened. I rushed over here so you could have a shoulder to cry on in your hour of need. Thanks, Leslie, but I don't need to cry. You are so macho. No wonder I'm head over heels, Nancy, in love with you. Yeah, well, uh, lucky me. What's the matter with your dad? Well, I don't know yet. See, uh, thought he had a touch of indigestion, so they're giving him some tests. <laughs> What's the matter? My uncle Bill. He thought he had a touch of indigestion. And they gave him some tests. Well, how is he? Dead. <laughs> well, what happened? He died. <laughs> Thanks, Leslie. I, I feel so much better now. <laughs> oh, I'm so glad. You know, I could console you a whole lot more if we got married. <laughs> married? <laughs> I have my own crock pot. <laughs> That sounds tempting. <laughs> Listen, if we talk about some other time, I'm a little worried about my dad right now. Sure. We've got time. My crock pot is a slow cooker. <laughs> okay, um, so Ricky wasn't expecting this girl to show up at the hospital. Apparently she called his house, he wasn't there, spoke to a butler who we've never seen or met before. You know, all these people that are running the household, they're behind the scenes, they're behind the curtain. You never freaking see them. You only hear about them. This girl is very wildly inappropriate with the fact that his father is in surgery and she has the gall to say, like, oh, my uncle had a touch of indigestion or what he thought it was indigestion and they were the doctors ran tests on him too and he died. It's like, what are you why are you saying that? And Ricky just feels uncomfortable the whole time. This girl's like throwing herself. Like, I'm madly in love with you, Ricky. One day we'll get married. And it's like, girl, you're being wildly inappropriate. You need to go. Where is Kate? Why did this girl just think it was acceptable to just show up at this boy's hosp father's hospital room? Ugh. Even Ricky's just rolling his eyes. He's, and he's like, well, I'm not going to marry you right now. She's like, oh, I have a crock pot. It's a slow cooker. I can wait. And she looks at him longingly, batting her eyelashes as she walks out the door. Just go. I can't believe we have to see this girl again. I don't like her. This Leslie girl. And what's even worse is what I read later on in this season as her mother apparently had dated Edward at one point and is going to come between him and Kate. Like, oh, you gotta be kidding me. And another thing, why is Ricky just hanging out in this empty hospital room? There's nobody in there. He'd be out in the waiting room. And my only thing is probably the reason that Kate's not there is because it's only for immediate family. And if she's not married to him, if she's just dating him, then she might not be allowed because she's not blood 
a blood relative. Oh, my bad. Never mind. No, um, the doctors are bringing him, Edward, in on a stretcher, and Kate is with him. Okay, never mind. I take back what I said about them not letting her back there. As they're wheeling him into the room. <laughs> he looks pretty out of it. Like, he's just, like, out of it, like, almost unconscious on that stretcher. Dad! Kate, how's my dad? Oh, he's fine. He had some x-rays taken and the doctors have examined him and they gave him some medication for the pain. to the medicine they gave him. some tests and everything. They've given him some medication for the pain and Edward is flying as high as a kite. He is as high as a kite. He is very loopy. So George Higgins, George, uh, Joel Higgins who plays Edward is doing a lot of physical bit comedy where he's like, hey son, Ricky, my boy, why are you in the hospital? Are you sick too? And Ricky's like, no, Dad, I'm just visiting you. And then Edward, like, starts to get a little weepy, like, oh, my boy, he came to see me. And and, and then we get this bit with the, with the bed, of course, we gotta have the bit with the bed with, the, with Edward pressing the buttons to make the top half of the bed go forward and then he hits another button the bottom of the bed starts rising and he's like I don't like this I this is hurting <laughs> me a lot this reminds me of when my mom was in the hospital and I was probably like maybe how old was I 7 or 8 my mom was in the hospital she 
often would be in the hospital due to her lupus. And I probably was old enough to know better. <laughs> but of course, curious me, I'm like, oh, what's this button do on the bed here? And just me like it. I'd hit a button, it would raise the top half of the bed up, and then the bottom. I think I eventually hit too many buttons, and, like, the bed, like, like malfunctioned. So they had to, like, put her, my mom in another room and in, in another bed. I just, I remember, I rem that's one of the things I remember from visiting my mom in the hospital when I was, like, seven or eight. And Ricky's just watching his dad, utterly horrified, like, oh my gosh. Kate, they may turn my dad's brain into like a three bean salad or, or, uh, get like, he acts like he's been given a lobotomy or something. Buddy, no, he's just really loopy. He's messed from the drugs are like kind of making his head, his brain fuzzy. Um, call back to Full House when, uh, Becky was having the twins in, uh, season five and. <laughs> Jesse had to have his appendix out, and he was under, you know, he's still being worn off from the anesthetic and everything like that, so he's really crazy, crazy loopy, like, hey, oh my gosh, you're having a baby, is that your hug? Because Danny was in the room, like, oh, bye, Donnie, <laughs> and Danny leaves, and Becky's like, Jess, hold my hand. He's like, like, he looks at her confused, like, won't your husband Donnie be jealous? And she's like, Jess, you're my husband. He's like, oh, radical. I have a wife and a baby in the same day. He was really out of it. And, and, and Edward is just really, like I said, he's flying high with whatever they got him on. I mean, he just had to have an x-ray. So, my guess is, what could they have given him for the pain that's going to make him all, what, morphine? <laughs> I mean, if you've seen another little house on the prairie when Albert Ingalls gets addicted to morphine and he's just laughing his butt off and all, <laughs> and just acting out and stuff, like I don't know. But we get the doctor here. I want to hear what the doctor's going to say about uh, what Edward's got going on. Hi! Hi, are you the doctor? I'm Dr. Miller. Well, I'm Ricky Stratton, and this is Kate Summers. I wonder if you've done it, my father. Son, your father has gallstones. What are they? Gallstones are small, hard, pathological concretions composed chiefly of cholesterol crystals. That's right! <laughs> Tell him what is one, Don Pardo. Mrs. Stratton, you have to try to relax. Okay. Doctor, can yes? my dad come home with us tonight? Afraid not, son. Well, why not? Well, something serious. Your father just needs a little operation. So Ricky goes over to the doctor and immediately, Hello, doctor. I'm Ricky Stratton. What have you done to my father? Right away, he's accusatory. Like, what are you doing to my dad right there? He's all messed up in the bed. <laughs> And he tells Ricky that Edward has gallstones. And that, and Ricky's like, well, did my, can my dad come home with me tonight? And the doctor's like, I'm sorry, son. No, he's going to have to have an operation. And, of course, we fade out on the scene on Ricky looking very, very scared and concerned. 
Now we go back into the hospital room. Looks like Edward might be sleeping and Kate has got a chair by his bed and she's just kind of going through like a newspaper or a magazine or something like that. Maybe Ricky's like gone down to the cafeteria or the vending machine. She probably said, Ricky, why don't you take a little break? Get yourself something to snack on. I will watch your dad. Just You just need to go for a quick walk right now. It's going to... You know, and I can imagine that it's going to be scary for both of them. I mean, that's his dad there. And then Kate, you know, she's in a relationship with Edward, so she's worried. Now, gallstones, those aren't the ones that you have to pee out, right? Are those the kidney Like, the term, like, passing a kidney stone, right? That's when you got to pee out, right? I think. I've never had either of those. So it looks like Edward is tr starting to come too as he starts kind of rubbing his uh, forehead with his hand. And Kate gets up from the chair and says, are you okay? Have the drugs worn off? And he's like, I don't know. And she's like, well, do you still see Vikings over there on the windowsill? And he looks and he's like, no. And she's like, oh, good. The drugs have worn off. So Ricky is bringing in... A bunch of balloons for his dad. Aw, what a sweet boy. I'm going to play this clip. Hi, how you feeling? Have the drugs <laughs> worn off yet? I don't know. Do you still see Vikings sitting on the windowsill? <laughs> no. Ah, the drugs have worn off. <laughs> Hi. Hey there. How you feeling? Fine. Does he still think I'm howdy duty? No. Good. These are for you, Dad. Oh, thank you, son. Sorry, I can only get your hearts. They're all out of gallbladders. <laughs> I'm going to get myself a cup of coffee, Edward. Can I get you anything? Yeah, if you see my nurse, would you ask her for an extra pillow? You know, the one I asked her for a couple of hours ago. Oh, hey, go easy on Nurse Gutmuller. She's gentle, she's dedicated, and she looks great. Kate, she looks like Ernest Borgnine. <laughs> I know, I know. So kind of looking at Edward here, his face is really, really ghostly pale and white. He's got dark shadows under his eyes. He looks really sickly, almost like death warmed over. Ricky comes in with half a dozen heart balloons and sets it on the little nightstand by Edward's bed. And Kate decides, like, I'm gonna go and uh, get something to drink. Do you want anything? He's like, oh, uh, no, but can you tell the nurse to give me another pillow? You know, the one I requested, like, two hours ago. And... Kate's like, oh, go easy on nurse such and such. She's trying. She's dedicated and this and that. And Edward makes a joke about how she looks like Ernest Borgnine. Um, I like Ricky's comment how, oh, well, they all they had was heart balloons. They didn't have any gallbladders. And uh, before this scene, actually, the doctor did say that Edward does need to have an operation, which is n not really anything serious. Or so we think. 
<laughs> the doctor has yet to return and say what's going to go on. But Edward's already got two pillows. Let me tell you, when I was growing up, I usually only, I think I only slept with like one pillow. But then once I met Jeremy, I realized, you know, he slept with two pillows. If he only had one, like, it would give him like acid reflex. Um, but then I started sleeping with two pillows and I was like, I gotta have two pillows. And the thing is, I have to have two bears kind of propped up behind the pillows because otherwise our headboard is so high, there's a bit of space underneath it where if I'm not careful, like, one of the pillows will start to fall through and I won't realize it. So I'm going to play this clip here uh, with Ricky and his dad. You look a lot better. Oh, I am. <laughs> Son, would you pull down this top blanket? It's so darn hot in here. Sure. You know, Dad, when I heard you need an operation, mm -hmm. I decided to get a second opinion. And I found out that gallbladder surgery isn't always necessary. Well, really, who told you that? The lady who works in the gift shop. <laughs> well, I think that I'll just put my faith in Dr. Miller, okay? Yeah, that's another thing. How much do you really know about this Miller guy? <laughs> I mean, what type of grades did he get in medical school? Did he pass gallbladder the first time? Or did he have to make it up in summer school? Listen, son. And, Dad, if you go through this operation, you'll run the risk of people calling you Scarbelly. Climb up here. Nothing is going to happen to me. See, I've got incentive. I've got a son that I've only known for a little over a year. And it is my intention to spend a lifetime with that guy. Great. I mean, there's so many things I want to do with you, Dad. Like when I come home from college to visit you, I want us to go out together and have a beer. <laughs> Stroll to the keg and peg, shoot some pool, and then chug down a couple of brewskis. You know what I want to be around for? The day you have your son. I want to be there to hear his first word. Gampa. I know Kate wants around for a while, too. Yeah, well, things are getting pretty serious between us. Oh? Think you guys get married? No. Well, <laughs> hey. <laughs> Where are we going on the honeymoon, Dad? Oh, well, <laughs> hey. <laughs> Don't worry, Dad. I know when to butt out. <laughs> but, Dad, with all these things to look forward to, why risk your life with an operation? Oh, son, it's not that big a risk. Here's what'll happen. I so here's the thing. I want to go back to the beginning of this conversation between Edward and Rick here. Um, things I'm noticing. First thing Edward says, son, can you please help me with these blankets? I'm getting a little warm. Pulls the blankets down. Asks Ricky to hand him a Kleenex. Edward starts dabbing at his forehead, at his chest. I'm like, okay, something's going on here. He hasn't even had the operation yet, but it's like, it's like he's starting to, f looks like he's starting to, like, 
become feverish, and that's not a good sign. Ricky, of course, says, hey, um, I talked to somebody, and they said apparently that you may not even need to have gallbladder surgery. And Edward's like, yeah, who did you talk to? And Ricky's like, well, the lady at the gift shop. And I'm like, oh, buddy, buddy, <laughs> no, your dad needs to have this operation. So he has, you know, Ricky's like, come on, son, hop on the bed here. Let me, let's, let's talk, you and I. And this is really sweet. Um, he says, you know, I put my faith in Dr. Miller. I think that he's going to do a, a great job and he's really going to help me. And, of course, Ricky kind of chimes in like, Dad, how well do you know this Miller guy? I mean, how many, like, what grades did he get in medical school? And did he pass the gallbladder class or did he have to make it up in summer school? It's, it's cute that he's kind of making these, you know, little jokes and stuff like that. But, you know, he's just, he cares about his dad. And the thing is, we do kind of get... Or, uh, from Edward, how long they've been together? Just about a year now. So another thing Edward Edward says is, um, you see, son, nothing is going to happen to me. I've got incentive. You see, I have a son here that, you know, I've only known for a little bit over a year now. I love what Edward says about, and it's my intention to spend a lifetime with that guy. Oh, He's got 12 years to make up for, you know, that he didn't even get, he didn't get to see his son, hear his son's first word, didn't get to see his son take his first steps. Evelyn cheated Edward out of missing these moments, these big moments in his son's life. And Ricky mentions about how there's so many things he wants to do with his dad still. Like, when he comes home from college, he wants to, like, go out and have a beer with his dad. You know, shoot pool. And then share a brewski. And one thing that Edward says, you know, what, what I look forward to is the day when you have a son of your own. And he calls me grandpa. <laughs> like, oh. And Ricky adds how, you know, I think Kate will want you around, too. And Edward kind of smiles at like, yeah, yeah, things are getting pretty serious between us. Ricky, of course, pops the question that probably we as the audience are kind of a little curious about, too. As he asks, so, you think you guys will get married? And Edward's like, well, you know, it's a little too, you know, so a little ways down the road there, <laughs> son. And... Ricky's like, yeah, where do you think you'll go on your honeymoon? It's like, buddy, slow it down. <laughs> oh, Ricky says, where are we going on the honeymoon, Dad? Like, buddy, you don't know. Honeymoons are just for the bride and groom. The child does not get to go along for the ride. And Ricky says, you know, Dad, with all those things to look forward to, why take the risk of having this operation? So I'm going to play this clip as Edward kind of gives Ricky kind of a rundown play-by-play -play of how the operation's gonna go. Like, they're gonna put him under and stuff like that. With all these things to look forward to, why risk your life with an operation? Oh, son, it's not that big a risk. Here's what'll happen. I take a little nap, and while I'm sawing logs, the doctor just snip-snip, and then he'll...
done. It's all over. See, it's a walk in the park. Park! Dad, you okay? Yes, son. It's nothing to worry about. It's just a, a teeny little discomfort. Oh! Are you sure? Yeah, you don't look so good. No, son. It's just these lights. I swear like crazy. You're burning up. Well, it's just these lights. Oh! Hey, somebody on my dad! Son, call the nurse. Push the button. Ah! Wrong button, son! God, now I'm starting to get a little worked up here. Oh my goodness. Um, before this, Edward says they'll put him under while he's snoring away. They're gonna do a little snip snip and then, you know, cut into him, do a little, uh, removal. And, and the whole time with his hands, he's miming the actions of how he feels the doctor's gonna go in. You know, cut into him, remove the gallbladder thing and he's miming like sewing himself up and it's kind of funny and then Edward puts a hand to his side again like ah and Ricky's like oh my god and finally Ricky puts his hands to his dad's face he's like dad you're you're burning up and and Edward again trying to be a good soldier. He's like, no, son, son, it's okay, it's okay. And he keeps like groaning in pain. He's like, aha. And then finally, he's like, the call button on my um, on my bed. Ring it and for the nurse. And of course, Ricky hits the wrong button. The end of the bed goes up. He's like, oh, but son, that's the wrong, that's the wrong button. And Ricky immediately just starts shouting, like, hey, my dad, my dad. And Kate comes in. She's like, what happened? What happened? And Ricky's like, I don't know. We were just talking. And all of a sudden, he, he just grabbed his side and he's in pain. And he's just screaming for the doctors. Finally, a nurse, an orderly, and the doctor finally come in. Like, oh, my gosh. And I'm like, oh, God. Oh. He's the apparatus. What does that mean? I don't know. I'm here, Dad. I'm here. Excuse me, son. Temperature 103. Blood pressure down. We're going to test for Murphy's sign. Breathe out. Breathe in. Ah! Hey! Right, screen tenderness right upper quadrant. Okay. Oh. He has ascending cholangitis. Call the OR. Get a crew in there right away. I want two sets of blood cultures. Stat. And hang a gram of Cephazolin. Mind the tube. Mind the tube. Hey, what's going on here? Where are you taking my dad? Son, your dad has an infection. We have to operate right away. Well, is it going to be okay? We'll do the best we can. I promise you. Kate, I'm going with my dad. Ricky, we can't. We're not allowed in the operating room. But I, it's best that we just stay here. He's in good hands. Dr. Miller is a top surgeon, and he has a wonderful reputation. So the doctors come in, and... Right away, they get some, like, apparatic, probably breathing thing to get his breathing, Edward's breathing under control, and then Edward is still, like, 
gasping, he's in, in, in pain and everything, and the doctor is calling out the orders to the nurses and just telling them, you know, what to do. We got to get a stretcher in here. We got to get him into the operating room right now. And the doctor is kind of poking around Edward's belly in the in the area, kind of feeling certain spots and everything, just calling out, you know, certain medical codes to the doctor, the, the nurses that are nearby, just letting them know what's going on. Ricky, of course, is freaking, he is freaking out at this point. He keeps going to his dad, like, Dad, I'm here. And the doctor actually has to kind of shove Ricky back, like, son, we're trying to work on your dad here, okay, buddy? We really can't, we can't have you interfering here. And the uh, other uh, orderlies come in with a stretcher. Uh, they have four people, you know, lifting Edward up and getting him out of the stretcher, getting him out the door. And the doctor is calling all these orders, like, get the operating room ready. Bring him in. We're going to start surgery. Ricky is almost, he is ready out the door to go after his dad. And the doctor says, son, you have to stay here. And he's like, well, what's going on with my dad? And the doctor says... Look, he's in good hands, all right? We're going to do the best that we can. And and even Ricky's still, like, trying to go... Like, I'm going to go after my dad. And Kate has to pull him back. Like, Ricky, buddy, you cannot go into the operating room, okay? That's only for the doctors. And oh, I just... My heart is breaking. Like, this has got to be really scary stuff for him. I mean, he's... I know he's only 12, 13 years old. And I like that Kate is really being a stand-in at this time. She's trying to be... She's probably going to be freaked out herself, but it's like, now you have to take care of this 12-year-old boy and make sure that he is, you know, just calm him down. Just say, it's going to be okay, Ricky, okay? She even said, Dr. Miller is one of the best surgeons around. Your dad is in good hands. <laughs> and even the, the doctor does, in fact tell them and us that Edward has an infection. That's why his temperature was at 103. Right away, when I saw Edward starting to dab at himself and say, Ricky, can you pull these extra these covers off of me? It's just too warm. I'm like, okay, something is going on. And right away, it's like, yeah, something he's getting an infection or something. I don't understand why, after those x-rays, why couldn't they have gotten him in before that set in? That seems like the thing that you would do, like, you have a gallbladder thing, let's get that out, let's go in operation right away, or did they have to probably wait and look at the x-rays to see what exactly is going on completely before they get in there so they know what they're dealing with? scared, Kate. I'm afraid my dad's gonna die. Oh, no, Ricky. He's gonna be just fine. Don't say that to me. A few hours ago, we just had a touch of indigestion. He said he'd be fine. Then I know he's in the hospital, but only for a few tests. He'll be fine. Then they tell me he needs a little operation, but he'll be fine. Then all of a sudden, he's got pretending colons. <laughs> Don't worry, because he'll be fine. Well, I'm tired of him being fine, Kate. What I want is for him to be okay. Ricky. Please, just level with me, all right? Be straight with me. All right. 
the truth is, I don't know how serious it is. And I'm scared, too. Kate, if I tell you a secret, will you promise never, ever to reveal to any other living soul? Yes. Okay, raise your right hand and repeat after me. <laughs> I, state your name. I, Catherine Summers. Solemnly promise never to reveal Ricky Stratton's sacred secret. Solemnly promise never to reveal Ricky Stratton's sacred secret. And if I do... And if I do, I will kiss a pig. <laughs> I will kiss a pig? <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> What's the secret? It's my fault my dad got sick. What are you talking about? Do you remember this morning when I told you guys how happy I was, how great my life was going? Well, right after I said that, my dad got sick. Oh, hon, there's no connection between those two things. Yes, there is. You see, the point is I was too happy. Something bad had to happen. Oh, hold it. A lot of people think that way, but that's just superstition. I mean, that's like saying if you wash your car, it's going to rain. Well, doesn't it? <laughs> Sometimes. Okay, a lot. <sighs> well, I'm sure there are some people who wash their cars and it doesn't rain. Name one. <laughs> Ricky, washing your car has nothing to do with the rain. And your father getting sick has nothing to do with you, with your being happy. If you let yourself be ruled by superstition, you're going to end up going through life miserable, driving a dirty car. <laughs> so you sure it's not my fault? Positive. Ricky, you have every right to be happy without being afraid. Right now, the thing for us to do is to hope with all our might that your dad gets better. Because he will get better, right? Right. So Kate goes back to sit in the chair and she's flipping through a magazine. Ricky is staring out the hospital room window. And Kate isn't looking at that magazine. She's not even really looking at it. She's just holding it before she just throws it to the floor. And she's just, they're scared and they're frustrated. And they don't know what's going to happen. And Kate tells Ricky, like, your dad is going to be fine. And Ricky is just, basically, he's had enough of this. Oh, don't worry, your dad's going to be fine. And this, and everyone's saying he's going to be fine. And finally, he, he looks at Kate he's like, Kate, please, just... Be honest and level with me. What's going to happen to my dad? And Kate looks at Ricky and says, 
I don't know. I don't know. You know, because before Ricky kind of lightly blows up at Kate, he's facing away from her. He's got his hands kind of on the bed. And he says, I'm scared, Kate. And she says, so am I. Because they don't know what the outcome is. And she says, you know, he's going to be fine. And Ricky whirls around on her like, don't say that to me. Everyone keeps saying that my dad's going to be fine, but no one is honestly really telling me what's going on. Just be honest and level with me. And she, she's got, I don't know. I don't know. And you know, this outburst, Ricky is scared to death. He doesn't know that his dad, whether his dad could live or die through this operation. He's got an infection. And what honestly can Kate say to ease his mind other than that doctor is one of the best surgeons around? Anybody can be an amazing surgeon and something could go wrong. You could follow that procedure to the book and something could go wrong. There's always that small percentage of a chance. So Ricky says to Kate, Kate, can I tell you a secret? But before I do, I want you to swear that you'll never tell another living soul. He has her hold her hand up and recite that to him as he's like, I state your name, swear that I will never reveal this secret to anyone. And if I do, I will kiss a pig. And she's like, and I will kiss a pig. Okay. Of course, I kind of figured it was going here. Ricky does have guilt. I'm not really surprised at all. He says, you know, I was talking about how happy I was and, you know, how my life is going so great and all of a sudden it's like my dad is in pain. Buddy, that didn't just happen then. And she even says, Ricky, those two things are not connected. And I'm like, you didn't see your dad coming down the stairs and his hand going to his side and groaning in pain. You didn't see that. You were working on your kite and everything like that. And odds are, maybe this part, this little indigestion that Edward thought he was going through, that probably could have been going on for more than a day. If not, maybe a couple days. And he kept just putting it off like, no, no, no. It's just indigestion. But then when you're grabbing your side and like bent over and crying out in pain like that and it's ha I mean he did that in the house at least four times and every single time he denied it as nothing but Ricky you know he he's scared he's a 12 year old boy he he just thinks like it's my fault things are going good and the thing is with me Sometimes I, I'm like that, like things are going good and you grow up in a way thinking when bad things happen a lot of the time and you think, okay, just things are going good and then bad things happen. It's almost like you get into the position of always like things are going great now, but it's almost like you're in a way of expecting that other shoe to fall. Like it's going great now, but when is this going to happen? Because you eventually start to expect bad things to happen after a while of good things happening. And Ricky, I know that Ricky Schroeder is really good with his comedic roles. I've never seen that movie, the champ, that wrestling movie with John Voight. 
um, which Ricky starred in. I thought he got an award for that, too. But he is really known for his dramatic chops, and I can understand when you're really good at that, but being in a sitcom, you're having to, you know, give these bits and stuff like that where it might be a little uncomfortable. But he really, when it calls for him, when the script calls for Ricky to be dramatic, he sells it, he goes there. I know that Kate is kind of trying to compare, like, Ricky saying, oh, my life's going great, and then my dad fell ill, and how she says, well, it's kind of like when you go to wash your car, and then all of a sudden it rains. I mean, what other analogy could you really, like, make up for that? Um, my, my, my thing is, like, the, always the waiting for the shoe to the shoe to drop, the other shoe to drop, or the term having the rug pulled out from under you, stuff like that. Like, things are going great, boom, rugs pulled out from under you. It's like things that happen that you're not prepared for, like you're not expecting. That You know that saying that, you know, in certain circumstances where it's like, like, hope for the best but prepare for the worst? Or even with, like, taxes and stuff like that. Like, you hope you don't have to owe a lot, but or you know you might not get something back, but you hope that you don't really owe a lot or something to that effect. Like, just, that's why you kind of prepare. You put money away when you can. Like, things are going to come up. You never know when you could lose a job or something goes wrong with your car and you don't have the money for it and, and stuff like that. I mean, that I don't know how that's connected to what Ricky's going through, but... <laughs> and Ricky looks into Kate's eyes, and Kate is actually on her knees, looking eye level into Ricky's face. He's like, are you sure it's not my fault? And she says, Ricky, you have every right to be happy without having to feel afraid. Like, and you can feel happy without feeling that by feeling happy, something bad is going to happen in, in return. It's not. <laughs> and she tells him, the one thing we need to focus on right now is just hoping that your dad gets better. You know, and hope with all of our might. And he says, you will get better, right? She's like, yes. And they both kind of break contact and they're looking away from each other. And both of them are crossing their fingers like, please, please, please. And then they turn and look at each other that they're doing the same thing. And Kate says, can't hurt. Like, yeah, it can't. Cross your fingers. This is sweet that they hug each other. It's like, and I was thinking earlier, you know, when I was in the bathroom for a sec, um, has either of them pretty, like, probably thought maybe we should let Grandfather Stratton know what's going on with Edward just so he's aware I mean, it is, it's Edward's dad. I mean, I know they've been kind of hostile and, uh, you know, on the outs with each other. But still, it's like, if my kid were in the hospital with us going through a serious surgery, I want to know. All right, in the next scene, Edward is just coming out of surgery. He's got, um, IV in his arm. He's got, um, a, uh oxygen tube kind of going going up his nose and everything like that. So they're just, you know, watching him as he's slowly coming out of the anesthetic. He's probably going to be a little groggy and everything like that. Mm. <laughs> We're running up. Do you hear that, Kate? 
He's on a run or not? slammed by Orson Welles. <laughs> I talked to the doctor, Dad. He says he'll just be in the hospital for only a few days. Then he'll be up and around in no time. When can I go jogging? <laughs> uh, not for quite a while. Good. <laughs> oh. Okay? Yeah, I just can't laugh or sneeze for a while. <laughs> That I was scared. I was afraid I was going to lose you. Yeah, me too. Well, I have to admit, I was a little nervous there myself. But I knew I had the support of the two people I love most. Dad, would it hurt you too much if... We were to give you a hug? Hey. Let's go for it. <laughs> so Kate and Ricky are just overjoyed. Just whatever's coming out of Edward's mouth. And Ricky's like, hey, Kate. He said, rrr, 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 rrr. and Edward's like kind of grabbing at his throat. His throat is probably really sore and raw and dry. And he looks at Kate like, hi, Kate. He's like, he said, hi, Kate. Oh, it's so sweet. And Ricky says, you know, the doctor said that you'll be, you know, up and out of here in a, in a few days. And <laughs> he's like, oh, yeah, when will I be able to go jogging? And... <laughs> Kate's like, well, probably not for a very long time. He's like, oh, that's good to hear. And, you know, yeah, it probably does hurt to, like, sneeze and, you know, laugh. Definitely don't laugh. That's gonna... That's gonna get you there. Um, <laughs> but... Ricky admits, you know, like, Dad, I was scared that you wouldn't make it. And Kate's like, me too. And even Edward admits, it's like, I was scared for a bit too. I was really worried. And... Ricky's like, hey, Dad, do you think we can give you a hug? Would that hurt you? And Edward kind of opens his arms like, oh, Edward, you don't have to lift your arms up. They can hug you just with your arms at your sides. Because that's going to take a lot of, like, motion to, like, lift your arms. A lot of strength. Like, buddy, you gotta... It's You can hug someone without... You know, they can hug you. You don't have to worry about lifting up your arms. <laughs> so... That's the end of the episode, guys. I loved this episode. This really was my favorite so far. Even though this is the fourth episode of season two, this really, this this episode had a lot of heart to it. And it really, and it broke my heart a bit too in scenes. I got, you know, a little choked up. Um, I'm rating it five out of five trains. Definitely. You know, I, I like that there was a bit of realism, you know, with Edward with the, with the bed, you know, lifting it up and down and stuff. That didn't last too long and him being a little loopy didn't, you know, they got a little, well, because you do need to kind of have a little bit of the comedic bits in there to kind of even out the seriousness of it. 
But, um, Joel Higgins, he acted his butt off. He did good. And Kate and Rick, really, I am giving them props. They did great. You know, and I also like, you know, the the doctor, just the serious, serious nature of this procedure and everything. And that the show itself took it seriously. And Kate and, and Rick were just both put into this situation where they really had to cling to one another for, for support and everything. And even though, you know, Kate isn't Ricky's mother or stepmother yet, she still loves that boy. And just, you know, she's scared too. It's, you know, the man she loves is going under the knife. His son is there scared to death and unsure what's going to happen. And, you know, she does level with Ricky. She doesn't have all the answers. She doesn't know if he, Edward's going to make it out of the surgery. So, but this just, all in all, guys, this was an amazing episode. I loved it so, so much. All right, next episode, we're getting kind of a goofy one again. Um, But then again, this one was a bit serious, so we got to play on the goofy side for the next one. Like, Give everyone a chance to breathe and kind of, you know, laugh a little bit. Season 2, Episode 5, entitled Mr. President. This episode aired on November 19th, 1983. After being elected student body president, which I'm not surprised, Ricky is a great, great candidate. I could definitely see him doing great things. Ricky has to deal with a rival school's vandalism and daydreams that he is the president of the United States. So we're going to get a dream sequence in here. Looking at this, we got uh, the cast of characters are playing themselves, but they're also playing, uh, Kate's playing herself. She's also playing Miss Winters in this fantasy. Dexter's playing General Stuffins. Uh, Edward's playing Russian something or other. And we got Derek and Freddie in this episode coming up. So, all right. Let's say hey to some uh, some podcast listeners. Let me get in here, here. Here we go. Is this it? Is this it? Okay. We have Bellflower, California, St. Louis, Missouri, Spain, Lancaster, Pennsylvania, Madrid, Spain, Reno, Nevada, Waxahachie, Texas. I'm sorry if I mispronounce. Roseburg, Oregon, San Luis Obispo, California, Republic of... I can't tell. Uh, it might be Rush... Korea, um, Reno, Nevada, Dora, Alabama, Centerville, Maryland, Chula Vista, California, Grandview, Washington, and Portland, Oregon, and G-R-A-S-S-E, France. Grasse, maybe? Alright. Okay. So I will be back next week with Mr. President, so look forward to that. I will list the, uh, Two books that I talked about at the beginning of the podcast episode. Also, where you can follow along with the podcast on Facebook and Instagram. And where you can email the podcast. So, Alright, guys. Have a great, great week. And I hope we're going to see spring soon. Um, I hope 
you guys aren't having any uh, problems with wind. The wind tonight is very, very strong. It's been strong. Uh, it's been around between 30 to 40 miles per hour. Which I am really hearing it. Um, let's see. What's it at? It's currently 23 degrees at almost 11 o'clock at night. Um, 32 miles per hour. So it went from 39 to 32 miles per hour. All right. Chance of snow, 20%. Visibility, 8. Pressure, 29.87 NHG. I don't know what that is. Feels like 5. What? 5 degrees? Ugh. Well, that wind's going to make it chilly. All right, guys. I'll be back next week. Have a great week. Together.